Hello there, it's Ben Modell. I've been doing my silent film music podcast on and off since 2012, and, well, a few years ago, the first eight episodes of my podcast fell off the radar. I still have the audio files, it's just that episodes one through eight were suddenly unavailable and no longer appeared in the show's feed or anywhere online. I have no idea why this happened. Some listeners of the Silent Film Music Podcast have expressed interest in hearing these shows, and I really appreciate that. So, instead of driving myself up a wall, trying to troubleshoot what happened and trying to fix it and reinstate these, I'm just going to repost each of these episodes one at a time. Keep in mind as you listen to them that they were recorded several years ago. And now, here is episode four of the Silent Film Music Podcast with Ben Modell, originally posted in January of 2013. You'll hear me talk about the first ever accidentally preserved Kickstarter, which was actually done at the end of 2012. I talk about playing to You'd Be Surprised with Raymond Griffith at the Silent Clowns series. I talk about how listening to a spoken intro at a show may affect the way I play for a film. There are some thoughts on scoring It's the Old Army Game with W.C. Fields, the always challenging Wizard of Oz with Larry Seaman, as well as Oliver Twist, and you'll hear me play for Oliver Twist at MoMA. Here now is episode four of the Silent Film Music Podcast. and Happy New Year! This is Ben Modell with the Silent Film Music Podcast. Yes, I realized that Episode 3 was released in July of 2012, and here we are with Episode 4 in January 2013. Boy, I really thought this was going to be something I was going to be able to take care of on a semi-regular basis once I'd worked out the formula. And then the fall happened, and I got real busy with a lot of stuff. My apologies for not keeping up with my homework on this. I appreciate your listening, your subscribing, and I appreciate all the attempts you've made trying to post reviews on iTunes. It seems to be something where they have some sort of restrictions or a crazy algorithm making it rather difficult for people to do so. Uh, Richard Broughton, or Brofton, I'm sorry if I'm garbling your name, from Lincoln, England, listens to the podcast and wrote to me a few weeks ago saying... He tried a number of times to submit a review, and it just doesn't show up. My friend Rob Farr in Arlington, Virginia, has tried many, many times to post a review on iTunes, submitting it, and it just it's just not coming up. Um, I don't know how they have things set. For some reason, the only reviews of this podcast that I see on iTunes are the one I posted, and one posted by uh, the gentleman who does the commentary track podcast. So, uh, so far it looks like if you yourself have a podcast, uh, you'll get in. Uh, Do keep trying, and if anybody figures it out, let me know, and I'll let you guys know. What have I been up to? Well, what have I been up to? Um, The fall uh, often is, as it was this past year, a rather crazy busy time in terms of performing. 
and uh, I was able to have the uh, delightful opportunity to play once a month down at the Library of Congress Packard Campus Theater while their regular organist, Andrew Simpson, was off in Rome, Italy, teaching. Poor guy. Um, he's back, so you'll you'll get to hear him on a, more, on a regular basis down there now. But it was a great opportunity to play the Walker Digital Theater organ they have down there, as well as uh, take some time to screen rare stuff uh, with my friend Rob Stone, who's a film curator and preservationist down there, and just uh, troll through the archives and see what kind of goodies they have, which only helps me program other things. Got to play at the AFI Silver uh, in Silver Spring, Maryland, uh, uh, for the first time, um, and that was a, a lot of fun. It's a nice theater. It's a beautiful uh, historic theater. They've got an electric uh, Allen theater organ, um, which is nice. It's better than a piano. It doesn't have the you know super authentic sounds, but they're quite good. And like I say, it's not a piano, so you're really hearing that silent film accompaniment sound from the twenties. The big news, of course, if you're not aware of it, is my Kickstarter campaign, uh, which was nicely uh, successful. Uh, I created a project that I am calling Accidentally Preserved, in which I am taking 16mm prints in my collection of silent films that are rather rare or just lost films, uh, having them transferred, and then I score them and. Uh, over the summer, I posted them on YouTube, but I'm now producing a DVD, which will ideally come out in March. Uh, I had hoped to raise $3,600 and raise $4,639 on Kickstarter. Thank you if you backed the project. Um, things are moving along well with it. I have now gotten the hard drive with all the high-def the high transfers. Uh, they look great, and I will begin creating new titles as needed and scoring uh, and working on that over the next couple of weeks. The DVD is going to be released uh, using Amazon's CreateSpace video-on-demand service. I figured everybody goes to Amazon to buy DVDs. Why not use their own service? Uh, and in doing research, I've discovered that there are a couple of studios that are now using them um, to release their product. There's a press release I saw from a few months ago where I think Sony, uh, some division of Sony and uh, Lionsgate are, are releasing some things the way the Warner Brothers Archive is working. Um, so far, so good. I have actually done a test pilot, sort of, where I've taken a transfer of an old print of The Cracker Jack starring Johnny Hines that a friend of mine did a couple of years ago. Uh, tweaked it a little bit, uh, created a couple of titles to bridge gaps in the print, scored it, made a DVD, authored it, and uh, sent it off to create space to see how long does it really take, uh, what sort of loopholes there might be, any kind of snags, so I get the bugs out of the system before I uh, submit the accidentally preserved DVD. If you didn't uh, back the project, uh, the like I said, the DVD sh will be available in the spring. But each of the films will be released on a regular basis um, on YouTube, like the series I've done uh, this past summer that did rather well. And who knows if this is a success? Uh, I will not only be releasing more rare and lost silent comedies in 16mm, 
But if I can get uh, access to other public domain silent films in decent prints, um, I'll be able to release them on DVD. Uh, could be a new or an additional business model for this sort of thing for films that Kino or Criterion or Flickrelly might not be that interested in, but which should be available. There's an article I read online, actually it's from a few years ago, called The Long Tail, all about the importance uh, in this era that we're in now of making everything available, and because you never know who's going to find it um, and make it popular. It may just catch on to a trend elsewhere. You know, with, with Amazon, uh, there's this, you know, when you buy something on Amazon, you get this little notification saying, well, people who bought this also bought this. So you, you, you never know. And there isn't a, quite a bit of material, so we'll see how it goes. Um, there's no lack of material for other accidentally preserved DVDs. I've got an additional six or seven beyond what'll be on the first DVD, but there are a couple of other collectors who've who've offered stuff from their collection for the series. Uh, some of the things that are going to be on the first DVD are films sent in to me. Uh, there's a collector who just wrote me an email and said, I've boxed up some films. I want to send them to you for your series. What's your address? Uh, so, uh, you know, there's there's so much material out there, and it, and it deserves to be seen. Here, for your listening pleasure, is a recording from a live performance of the Silent Clowns film series this past summer of the Raymond Griffith film, You'd Be Surprised. A couple minutes from my live performance score to Raymond Griffith in You'd Be Surprised. 
recorded live in performance on August 4th, 2012 at the Silent Clowns film series. The show was held at the Bruno Walter Auditorium at the Library for the Performing Arts at Lincoln Center. The piano is a concert grand Steinway and sounds fantastic and is an absolute delight to play. This was the fourth of four shows featuring Raymond Griffith films that we did at the Silent Clowns film series this summer. A great uh, idea for a series and uh, one of our most popular uh, of the four shows. Uh, two of them were sold out and the other two were just absolutely packed. Bruce Lawton, who programs the series, uh, noticed when he saw the artist that the film within a film at the beginning of the artist basically was a Raymond Griffith film and that uh, the, 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 the lead character in the, in the artist basically was a great deal like Raymond Griffith with the mustache and the top hat and difficulties transitioning to sound. And so the tagline for this series that Bruce came up with was, if you liked the artist, you'll love Raymond Griffith. And our brochures featured a beautiful shot of Raymond Griffith on the cover and uh, the brochures were picked up rather rapidly at the library and elsewhere. We actually had to order an additional thousand copies of the brochure to keep up. It was a very successful series and a lot of fun. Let's talk about tricks of the trade. This is what I like to do here in the middle segment of the podcast. Often, as an improviser, I find that while listening to the spoken introduction to a film I'm about to play for, I'll hear something that will spark uh, an idea and will change the way I had even prepared to approach the film and accompanying it. Case in point, uh, a couple of weeks ago, beginning of January, it's January 3rd or 2nd, I accompanied the... Jackie Coogan, Lon Chaney, Oliver Twist. It was part of a Dickens on Film series at MoMA that included a number of silence. And the show was introduced by my friend Human Meron, a Chaplin scholar and who had also written an essay on the silent Oliver Twist that was in the BFI's DVD of uh, Dickens Before Sound. It's not available here in the States, uh, but if you've got an all-region player, order it, and you'll enjoy it. But one of the things he mentioned was the fact that while this film followed somewhat closely on the heels of The Kid, uh, Coogan did not have much opportunity to do comedy uh, in Oliver Twist. But there are a couple of little moments when he's uh, about to ask for you know, more, the more, more porridge or gruel or whatever it is. And this uh, occurred to me, and I, in watching the film as I played for it, I, I would notice little moments where he did have opportunities, Jackie Coogan, that is, uh, to do comedy bits. Uh, not only was there uh, this the segment where he is um, being very uh, nervous and cautious about uh, getting up the nerve to ask for more porridge, uh, but there's another moment later in the film where he, uh, where as Oliver. Uh, reenacts Fagin's instructions on how to pick people's pockets. Um, and in those two sequences, I gave uh, the music a, a, a little more of a flavor of this is a, a comedy sequence, lightening up a little bit. 
uh, giving the audience a break. And the and the the sequence got um, it got it got laughs, not because the music was funny, but it, it, I was helping Jackie uh, put the comedy over. Uh, something else that I I did a week or so over oh, a week ago, uh, I accompanied it's the old army game. W.C. Fields feature. The first one he made for Paramount and the first one where he was really doing his own comedy. And uh, in preparing for the spoken intro, I was discussing backstage with Bruce Lawton, who introduced the show with me and with Dr. Harriet Fields. Uh, the fact that the film, you know, the the plot line is sort of, it's kind of, it, it hops around, uh, partially because there are these set pieces that were replications of Fields' stage routines and where uh, Fields, for the most, most of the picture, is a very sympathetic character. And then about halfway through, there's that whole sequence on the front lawn of the, the, the rich person's house where he, he just becomes this lout making a big mess. And so uh, what occurred to me and which I wound up doing is rather than trying to use the music to make the whole film a cohesive whole acknowledge the fact well this film does go in and out of different styles you know a set piece routine on the back porch and then the romantic subplot with with uh, Louise Brooks and then it'll go back to something else and so I would play music that supported the comedy routines uh, when they happened uh, and it, it seemed to really work uh, it made the film enjoyable and what are you going to do these the, those films uh it, just like the way it was tough to to how do you make an organic storyline with the Marx Brothers, um, they would be, be these sort of uh, dramatic hybrids of material. Uh, it reminded me of when I accompanied the Larry Seaman Wizard of Oz uh, at the Cinecation in Massillon a year or so ago. You know, as most of us know, it's probably one of the worst silent films ever made, um, and. When you accompany a film, you don't say, well, this stinks, what am I going to do? Um, you make it work as best as you possibly can. Uh, Larry Seaman put a lot of money and hard work into the picture and did not intend to make uh, a mess of The Wizard of Oz, although that's what it is. And I accompanied it uh, acknowledging, okay, it's this schizophrenic film that is uh, sometimes a well-made costume picture along the lines of Peter Pan, and then on the other hand, it's also it, it it's a Larry Seaman two-reeler with people f falling into haystacks and falling into mud puddles, and and poor Spencer Bell acting excruciatingly frightened uh, for comic effect throughout the film. Um, so I I would I just played it that way, and there I got some comments after the show that that, that indicated to me that people actually sort of enjoyed the film and that my score might have helped that. Um, it's one of the things you, you have to, you have to take the film as seriously as the people who made it did and try to make it work for a contemporary audience. Here are a couple of minutes from the live performance recording of my score for Oliver Twist recorded live in performance January 2nd at the Museum of Modern Arts Titus II Auditorium on their Steinway Baby Grand Piano.
live in performance. Yours truly at the Steinway at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City on January 2nd, 2013. My live improvised piano score for Oliver Twist from 1922. Coming up for me in the next month or so, uh, well, I'll spend the next couple of weeks, among other things, titling, tweaking, editing, and then scoring the nine short films that will be on the first accidentally preserved DVD. Three or four of them are lost films. I know that one of them, an industrial about the Elgin Watch Factory, is not only lost, uh, I don't think anybody knew it was missing. I can find absolutely nothing about it. And an Elgin Watch expert I contacted online uh, to help me identify when the film was me because there are uh, shots of product lines of watches with prices um, he'd never even heard of the film uh, and was very interested in seeing it. The transfers look good, and I'm anxious to get going with the project and ideally stay on time in terms of my production schedule. At the end of January, I will be back at the Packard Campus Theater at the Library of Congress down in Culpeper, Virginia, accompanying Maurice Tournou's, uh The Wishing Ring, just elected to the National Film Registry. Uh and the following night, I will be tag-teaming on the piano bench with Dr. Andrew Simpson, uh, accompanying a bunch of Mary Pickford shorts. We'll be doing that slapstick-on style, just in terms of hopping on and off the bench. Uh, and then the following night, I will not be there, but you will get to hear Andrew play for Dorothy Vernon of Haddon Hall on the organ. Uh, I'll be accompanying that film one or two times in April, and that is a print uh, from Belgium. It's the only print around, so when it comes to your town, go see it. It's not available on DVD. I will also be traveling to Boise, Idaho at the beginning of February. I've been doing things with the, the Boise Philharmonic for the last eight or nine years, uh, initially working with their Treasure Valley Youth Symphony, performing my orchestral scores and the last three years I've been working with the grown-ups the Boise Philharmonic Chamber Ensemble this year they're doing my orchestral scores for Cops and the Immigrant and they're bringing me out I think this is my fifth time going out to Boise to accompany two short films on the theater organ their uh, their concerts at least for this series that they call musical movies are held in the city's original 1927 Egyptian-style movie palace, which was saved from the wrecking ball uh, and restored. And the the organ there is the original installation Robert Morton Theater Organ and has had some work done on it, and it sounds great. I'll be accompanying The Uneasy Three and Papa's Boy, a Lloyd Hamilton short, uh, on the organ at the concert. Looking forward to that and everything else that's coming up on the horizon. And that brings us to the end of episode four of my silent film music podcast. I look forward to, well, I look forward to doing episode five. I thank you so much for listening and for subscribing and for anything you do to help promote the podcast. I wish you much luck submitting reviews and getting it accepted by iTunes. If you like what you're hearing, send me an email, send me a message on Facebook. I am on Twitter at, at Silent Film Music. 
Everything you've heard in this podcast, both the music and everything I've said, is copyright 2013 by Ben Modell, all rights reserved. Thanks, and I'll see you at the silence. Bye now. You've been listening to a reposting of episode four of the Silent Film Music Podcast with Ben Modell, which was originally posted in January of 2013. Thanks.